The Old Testament reading for this, the 11th Sunday after Pentecost, comes from the prophet Isaiah, the 66th chapter. For I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and shall see my glory, and I will set a sign among them, and from them I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, Pol, and Lud who draw the bow, to Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands afar off, they that have not heard my fame or seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the nations, and they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord, on horses and in chariots and in litters, and on mules and on dromedaries, to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord. Just as the Israelites bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord, and some of them also I will take for priests and for Levites, says the Lord. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon, and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Fear the Lord, you his saints. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The epistle reading comes from the letter to the Hebrews, the 12th chapter. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. 
for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And this is the word of the Lord. And the Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Jesus went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some who are last, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. And this is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If you remember a couple weeks ago, and I hope you do, our readings had a very clear theme running throughout them. The Old Testament reading talked about the faith of Abraham as he believed God's promise even when it seemed impossible. The epistle reading was from Hebrews 11, that glorious chapter holding forth the faith of our forefathers as an example for all of us. And then in the gospel reading, Jesus told us to have faith that our Heavenly Father will take care of us. Every pastor that I talked to about those readings had the same central theme for their sermon. Faith. All the readings were very clearly focused on one thing. All of them very clearly moving in the same way. Well, This week, however, 
we have a different scenario. Not just because the central theme isn't the same as two weeks ago, but also because the central theme is difficult to find. In fact, it almost seems like the Old Testament reading and the Gospel reading contradict one another. I mean, both are talking about heaven, that glorious kingdom of God, but they each seem to say very different things about it. The Old Testament reading from Isaiah talks about the countless multitude coming from everywhere to enter heaven, that people from all nations will stream to God's holy mountain, the new Jerusalem, and that all flesh will bow down and worship him. And yet, in the Gospel reading, Jesus talks about the way to heaven being narrow and few entering it. That many will think they deserve heaven, but will find themselves shut out. Now, we know that the word of God is perfect and consistent, and that it doesn't ever contradict itself. But these two readings are so different, so seemingly diametrically opposed that we find ourselves asking which one is actually correct. Well, let's begin with the gospel. These words are spoken by Jesus himself, so we know for sure they are accurate and true. And what Jesus tells us in no uncertain terms is that the way to heaven is exceedingly narrow. Jesus tells us that many will seek to enter heaven. Many will firmly believe that it's theirs. But in reality, the door to heaven is very narrow. There are those who are going to say to God, You were right there with us. We ate and drank by you. You taught in our streets. But they're going to find out that close isn't good enough. That proximity to Jesus does not equal salvation. There are those who are going to say, I stood right next to the Messiah. And are going to find out that's not how you get into heaven. So many are going to fervently believe that theirs was the right teaching, that theirs was the right idea, that theirs was the right interpretation of God's word, and find out in the end, sadly, it very much was not. They will find out that that door to heaven that they thought was wide open and they could come in any which way they chose is actually quite narrow. So narrow, in fact, that there is only one possible way to heaven, and no others work. If you've ever visited my office here at the church, you've probably noticed that there are a lot of doors in it. Seven doors, in fact. Granted, one door is a closet and one goes to a restroom, so there's lots of ways to enter my office. Those two, if you come in through them, it's kind of weird, but hey, you can do whatever you want. Now add to that that there are lots of different ways that you can use each of those doors. You can walk in from the elder's office. You can back in down the stairs from the chancel. If you felt like it, you could open the door from the outside and do a fancy tango into my office. There are so many doors. There are so many ways to use them. So many ways to enter my office that it's almost infinite. And that's what the world wants heaven to be like. It wants every door to lead to paradise. And it wants to let everyone use any door in any manner that they like. 
devoutly march in through the door of Islam, stroll in through the door of pantheism and environmentalism, kick in the door of social justice, come stumbling in with all your hedonistic desires, back in through moralism, or just accidentally find yourself on the other side of the door through universalism. The world wants there to be infinite ways to heaven, wants nobody to be left out, wants to assure everyone that nobody is wrong ever about anything. And our sinful hearts want to believe that too. Because that makes it a lot easier for us, doesn't it? We don't have to share our Christian faith. We don't have to tell others that the way that they believe in God is wrong. We don't have to warn others of the fires of hell because, hey, if nobody's going to go there, why waste our time and energy? It sounds open and accepting and loving, and let's face it, that's the only way that a lot of our friends and family will ever get into heaven. If every single door and faith and lifestyle leads there. But the harsh reality is that heaven is not like that. No matter what the world says, no matter what we want to be true, there is one and only one door to heaven, and it can only be entered in one particular way. No matter how devout you might be, no matter how much nicer than your neighbor you might be, no matter how much you wish and hope and even proclaim to the contrary, the only way to eternal life in heaven is real faith in Jesus Christ as he has revealed himself in Scripture. Because the fact is, as a sinner, you don't deserve heaven. None of us do. That's a harsh reality, but it is a reality. You have transgressed God's holy law. You have despised his word and spurned his grace. You have sinned in thought, word, and deed. You are by nature sinful and unclean. You are corrupted to the very core by your guilt and iniquity. In God's paradise of heaven, there is no sin at all, not even a speck of it. And so we who are sinful by our very nature, we don't belong there. We don't deserve to be there. We deserve to be locked out, cast into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. We deserve only hell, eternal separation from God's presence, eternal suffering and death. It is only by the grace of Jesus Christ that we can possibly be saved. Our sin, it is way too deep for anything else. Our works are simply not good enough, and all other gods are false gods who can do nothing at all to help us because they aren't real. The cross and empty tomb of Jesus Christ, his pure word, that is the one and only thing that can spare us. All other attempts, any other versions of Jesus, any other means that we try to enter into God's heavenly kingdom by, only compound our sin. As we ignore his word yet again, as we try to make ourselves gods, as we try to force our way into heaven and tell God that he's wrong, his way isn't good enough, we have something better than what he's come up with. It simply doesn't work. The way to heaven is exceedingly narrow, 
and very, very specific. It is through faith in Jesus Christ, the real Jesus Christ, there is no other way to heaven. No false religion, no matter how fervently you might believe, leads to heaven. No level of cleanliness and virtue in your life, no matter how good you might look on the outside, can save you. Not even a slightly different version of Jesus, where you pick and choose the parts of his word that are easier to swallow, where you tweak them just a little bit here and there to make him more acceptable to the world. No customized Jesus can bring you into that eternal kingdom of glory, because that becomes just another false god that is made up. There are so many ways to get it wrong. There are countless doors that promise heaven but lead only to eternal suffering. There are an infinite number of ways to hell and only one very narrow, very specific door that leads to heaven. And yet, this is not bad news because that door as amazingly narrow as it is, it is amazingly easy to enter by. The world says that Christianity is bigoted and that it's exclusive for claiming that Jesus alone is the way to heaven. But while the door is narrow, while it is through Jesus Christ alone that any sinner can enter into heaven, it's really not at all difficult and it is not at all exclusive. This is the glorious picture that we see in our Old Testament reading from Isaiah. Through that narrow door come countless people from all nations. Not just a select few, not just the clean, but all those who look to Jesus Christ in faith. A multitude from around the world, those who looked to that sign that God set among them. Those who see the cross and empty tomb, they are saved freely by grace alone. Because you see, entering through that narrow door into heaven, it's not about you at all. It's not about how well you walk the path. It's not about you finding the path. It's not about you figuring out the code. It's not about your works because they will never be good enough. It's not, a limited, it's not limited to a select few as if there's only a certain number of seats in heaven. It is a free gift through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He suffered and died upon the cross to pay the penalty of the sins of the world. Not just a few, not just some, not just the good, but the sins of the entire world were covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. His holy, righteous blood was sufficient to cleanse all sinners throughout all time. He took upon himself the entirety of God's righteous wrath so that all sinners could be spared, so that nobody had to enter into the fires of hell. He rose again from the grave to open that narrow door for all those who believe. And it is he himself who will carry us through that door. When we breathe our last, when we stand before God's throne of judgment, we will not point to our deeds, our church attendance, anything that we've done. We will look in confidence to the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus Christ, 
And we will rest in his loving arms as he carries us over the threshold into his eternal paradise. This is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, the free and undeserved gift of salvation that we sinners have been given. And it is a gift meant for all mankind, for all sinners. It's not like we who gather here on church are a better class of sinners than others and we deserve God's love more. None of us deserve it, not even a little bit. And yet, every single one of us receives it entirely. We receive God's love fully and freely. We receive what he pours out so richly into our lives daily by his word, through the waters of baptism, through his true body and blood given to us. We receive the grace and mercy and forgiveness that we didn't deserve one bit, but that our Heavenly Father showers down upon us so freely. The gospel of Jesus Christ, his perfect death and resurrection, is for all sinners. No matter how wretched they are, no matter how long they've been sinners, no matter how terrible and beyond salvation we might think they are, the gospel is for all sinners. Now this doesn't mean that all people go to heaven no matter what they believe. Jesus and the entire Bible are very clear on that. If you reject Jesus Christ as he has revealed himself in Scripture, if you try to find another way to heaven, you place yourself beneath God's holy and eternal wrath, despite the fact that there is a salvation that has been given to you. You reject the forgiveness. You reject the paradise. But there's no need to. And all who look to Jesus in faith, all who acknowledge and repent of their sin, even if that sin plagues them to their final breath, they are forgiven, just as we ourselves are. Lord, will those who are saved be few? This was the question put to Jesus in our Gospel reading, and his answer is sobering, as he points out that the door to heaven is narrow, and that it is him and him alone. And yet... Just as God can make a camel pass through the eye of a needle, he brings a countless multitude of sinners from around the world through that narrow door. Not by accepting those who behave just right. Not by giving just the select few the security code. He himself carries that multitude through in his loving arms, which were outstretched for the world upon the cross. No other door leads to heaven. And no twisted version of Jesus can save our souls from hell. But thanks be to God that while that door is so narrow, passage through it is so free. It's not about what you've done. It's about what Jesus Christ has done for you. It's about his word working saving faith in your heart. It's about being shown how wretched your sin is by God's word, acknowledging your guilt in faith and repentance, and knowing that by grace through faith, your sin is removed from you as far as the east is from the west. This is the free gift of salvation proclaimed to you and to all sinners each and every day in that glorious gospel that comes only from the pure word of God. That by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, 
you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.